Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club. I'm your host, Caitlin McCluskey, and today I'm joined by my Aunt Angie. Hi, Angie. Hi, Caitlin. So we are a couple weeks away from Christmas. Christmas in kind of a different time. Um, so we yeah. might not be seeing family the same way we have in the past. No. <laughs> I'm doing some Christmas stories. This is a Agatha Christie about a family at Christmas time. Okay. And is there a murder? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Likely. A stolen present? Yes. Maybe. Maybe not. I, I'm not going to give anything away, Angie. Does Santa come? <laughs> It's it is it's a it's an interesting story and we'll get to it. Uh, it says it's from the 1960s, but definitely traditions were different than what I'm used to, uh, and maybe different versus Canada and England. So I don't know if you'll you'll recognize any of these traditions when we get to them. Okay. <laughs> Before I get into the story, I just want to let you guys know about a giveaway that I'm doing over on my Instagram. So that's at Tuesday Night Mystery Club. This giveaway is from the Murder Mystery Shop, and it is five download links to get a free murder mystery party game. So that's where, you know, you, you get all the character information and uh, murder mystery setup process to be able to host maybe like a Zoom party with several of your friends. And throughout the evening or whatever you choose to do, you're all trying to stay in character and guess who the murderer is. So if that sounds interesting to you, if you want to have some fun with some mystery-loving friends, head on over to Instagram and enter the giveaway. The announcement of the winner will be next Sunday, the 27th of December. So get there before then. Okay, so this story is called The Adventure of the Christmas Pudding by Agatha Christie. <laughs> and it's from her... She has like a kind of Christmas holiday themed short story collection okay. of the same name. Yeah. So this is Cameron and I just recorded. We I released the, the podcast the week before this one comes out or maybe two weeks before, actually, depending on how things go. Uh, we we did a PD James story where we talk about Christmas pudding and Cameron and I, Cameron being my brother, we neither of us. I don't know if we've ever had Christmas pudding. Or really knew what it was. We were kind of laughing about it and guessing. Have you had Christmas pudding? Um, sometimes I'm not sure what it is, but I think it's like a warm, warm cake, dense cake with something poured over it, maybe. Yeah, that's like, what the picture kind of looks like. Bread type thing, but then you pour mm -hmm. a, some sort of sauce over top. Okay. So it's not and like a, it's not like a pudding, like Jello pudding or something. No, it's like it's like dessert. Yeah. Cake. With yeah. maybe like dried fruit or raisins in it. Yeah, but I think, yeah, probably the Christmas pudding one has that. I know Kirk's family calls all desserts pudding. Okay, yeah, that's, I, I kind of felt like that was the right thing too. Okay. So should we get right into it? Uh-huh. Was there rum sauce on the pudding? <laughs> you can't ask that until we get to the pudding part. Oh, sorry. <laughs> So it starts out, starts out before Christmas. Uh, it's it's a Hercule Poirot mystery. So Mister, there's a there's a Mister Jesmond in Poirot's office, and he's he's asking for Poirot's help. He's kind of 
not asking him he's more so like telling him but in a very polite way because he is employed by a royal family family from an eastern country they never they don't specify they just kind of say it's a kingdom and the prince of this kingdom is in england and mr jesmond is not like a, a lawyer but a trustee i don't know someone kind of in charge of dealing with publicity and things like that okay and so the this young prince is about to get married and so that's kind of why he'd come to england is he had all the old royal jewels that they were getting reset at an english jeweler to make them look more kind of modern and so he was having this like fling with a girl who wasn't the girl he was going to marry because apparently that's the prince yeah the prince was having a fling with a girl okay yeah not mr Desmond. and yes some in london so he's having the fling in london right okay. and this is considered normal for for this this country or this kingdom for the, the young men in the royal circle to kind of i don't know see other like see girls uh-huh. i don't know that kind of idea but also to give them jewelry like that's not uncommon for if you go out with a girl, you give her a diamond brooch or something. Okay. And so he had he had been convinced by this one girl he had he had gone out with for to lend her the famous ruby from their country, which was super expensive, um, lots of history, this like huge gem. And of course, at some party that they had gone to, the girl had said she was going to powder her nose and had never returned, and the ruby had left with her. Okay. And so Mr. Mr. Jesmond isn't with Poirot, kind of being like, you you need to help us, and how you're going to do it is go to this country house for Christmas. And it's going to be an old Christmas, you know, uh, with all, all the proper foods and lighting of the Christmas tree and it's going to be a white Christmas, like he's promising snow, like these kinds of things, you know? <laughs> and when when Poirot finds out there's proper gas heating, central heating, he consents. <laughs> That's what gets him to go. <laughs> so a few, a few days later, he's at this country home, which is called King's Lacey, is the name of the house. And it's the home of Colonel Lacey and Mrs. Lacey. Okay. And so they're for they're they have kind of a, a good sized household for Christmas of people who are visiting. So they have their granddaughter, Sarah, who is in her early twenties, or maybe late teens, somewhere around that age, nineteen to twenty one, maybe. Okay. And then they have their grandson who's younger. He's like uh, maybe fourteen, fifteen. He's and um his friend from school, they're away at a boarding school, so those two have come. And then they have Bridget, who is uh, a great niece of the Lacey's. So she's around the grandson and his friend's age. The grandson and his friend are Colin and Michael. So Colin, Michael, and Bridget are like the teenagers. Okay. Then they have Diana, who is a cousin, and David Welwyn, who is a old friend. And I think they're also kind of maybe mid, early to mid-20s. So kind of a young a young party of people. And what was the connection why Mr. Jesmond wanted Hercule Perot to go to this family? 
So that's a very good question. We're, we're, we're not really told. It just seems it has something to do with the ruby, but we're not sure how. Mr. Jesmond might tell Poro, but it's not told to the readers. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. Like Sarah's not the girl or anything. We don't know. We have no idea. So, so kind of the day that Poro arrives, or maybe the next day, he's sitting with Mrs. Lacey, the, the mistress of the house, and mm -hmm. she's explaining to him how her grand she she and her husband had raised their granddaughter Sarah because their son had been killed in the war and his his wife had died in childbirth, so Sarah was left an orphan, and so they had raised her. Okay. And they kind of talk of how, like, I guess because it's like the 1950s, 1960s, this is set in, it's like times are changing and you can't raise kids the way you would have when you were younger. So their idea is like, you know, you want to keep them, and, you know, you get to tell them what to do and they do everything you say. But nowadays, people operate on more freedom. And so they kind of have really tried to leave her to make her own decisions is what they're talking about. Uh-huh. And this is important because Sarah had gone to live in Chelsea, which was like the big deal hopping young person place in this time. And she had met this boy, Desmond Lee Wortley, is his name. And he is seen as quote unquote undesirable <laughs> by, oh. by the older generation of people in the house. And kind of the reason for that is he's seen as someone who just like, dates rich girls and sarah is going to inherit a lot of money once she turns 21 okay so so she's she's also describing how she mrs mrs lacy she's describing how she had invited desmond to come to christmas with them mm -hmm. uh because she thought that if sarah saw desmond in their house and that like kind of environment not the london or chelsea environment she might see how desmond doesn't really fit into that the lifestyle and kind of see that maybe she wasn't interested in it that's that's mrs lacy's hope okay so i think she also explains that desmond desmond had brought his she's trying to say like you know like we we see him as bad but he's not he has some good qualities so he brought his his sister had just had a surgery and was going to have to be in a nursing home, but he had asked if she could come with him just to like be around people for Christmas, like not having to be in a nursing home for Christmas. And he had said he would bring her food up to her like, for all their meals. And he had done that. So, you you know, I don't know if the bar's low or high there, but that's her like kind of saying he's, he's redeemed. He the food up that other people. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> could have said no I can't come I have to stay with my sister but or he could have just said you're having Christmas alone and he didn't do that yeah yeah so there you go and Mrs. Lacey can also see the charm that Desmond has so she kind of says I can I can see I can see him for what he is I w don't want Sarah to marry him but I do see what she sees in him aha so, so her plan kind of, might be backfiring we'll see yeah <laughs> <laughs> so the whole everyone comes in for tea and after the after that the kind of younger ones the teens they go out to the pond and they're kind of looking at it going uh do you think we can skate on it yet like is it cold enough and so that made me think of you angie because you guys have a nice pond can you it's skate not on it yet? cold enough yet <laughs> what's the typical time of year when you can you can start skating 
Uh, we've skated in November. It really depends. Mm. Depends on the winter, but usually late January is a guarantee that it'll be okay. cold, frozen enough. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So they're debating that, and then David and Diana decide to go out on a walk together. And so this is this is another kind of just you know interesting the, for the romantics. The Lacys had hoped that Sarah and David, because David was this kind of family friend and they were of similar ages, they had hoped that Sarah and David would get together from a young age. Uh-huh. Uh, but Sarah had started to find him boring and, you know, was off in London. And so Mrs. Lacey tells Sarah that she had invited Diana because she's trying to set David and Diana up together. And uh-huh. so she's kind of going, don't they look cute together? And you kind of get the vibe that Mrs. Lacey is purposely trying to make Sarah jealous of David being with Diana. Like it's part of her plan, you know? Uh-huh. And the other, the other thing is Sarah kind of says to Desmond, oh, if they're going for a walk, we should go for a walk too. And Desmond goes, psh who walks these days? I'll pull the car around. Let's go out for a drink at the local pub. And, and Sarah kind of thinks in her mind, she's like, Oh, something about going to the pub. She just, the women of this house, like don't do that on at Christmas time. And she really doesn't want to. And it's this like, you know, two sides of her pulling. Cause she doesn't want to look, look silly in front of Desmond, you know? Right. So they do end up going out though i think she picks a different place they can go to that's not the local pub and they leave and while that's all going on the teens are are you know they've been down to the pond they're walking around and they decide how fun would it be if they staged a fake murder for paro <laughs> to see to entertain him that sounds like a good time <laughs> And so they're, you know, talking about how, will he, will he be upset? And they're like, nah, he'll feel right at home. Like, we're going to make him feel great. He's going to love it. And, you know, they can't, can't do it on Christmas. That would be like too terrible. But Boxing Day, two days from now, they could totally do Boxing Day. And um, I think they agree that um, Bridget needs to be the body because she has like, you know, long black hair that will contrast really well with the snow and, you know, they'll make up fake blood and they'll, they'll do it early in the morning and they'll stage like the footprints and everything. And they're going to, they're really talking about this and really getting excited about this plan. Uh-huh. So that evening, all the, the young people go out to midnight mass, except Desmond convinces Sarah that, Midnight math. Then who goes to that? Like that sounds terrible. And so <laughs> That's they don't the problem, go. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I, they go dance to records in the oh. library, or whatever. <laughs> yep. And Poirot. So Poirot goes up to bed, and he finds a note on his pillow that says, "Don't eat none of the plum pudding. One as wishes you well." Okay. And so plum pudding and Christmas pudding seem to be synonymous with each other. That's, uh-huh. I didn't look this up, but that's, I, uh, be great if my English or British listeners could write in and tell me what I'm getting wrong. And then, you know, that would be fun for me. <laughs> I'll, I can read it aloud on the next podcast. Oh, I don't know. Cause Christmas pudding might be special for Christmas. So do you think it's, but they're all, but they, they... Dessert, that generally are dense with some sort of sauce. I'm saying they use it's throughout this story. They'll say plum pudding or Christmas pudding when referring to it, the same dessert. Okay. So I just don't know. 
I guess see, I have the internet at my fingertips. I I'm I'm that. putting it in. Superb English plum pudding, and it has like Christmas decorations on the top. You know, like ivy and little red. Wikipedia well, says Christmas, Christmas pudding, pudding, also known as plum pudding there or you figgy go. pudding. Okay, figgy pudding. I've heard of that. Isn't that in a song? Something I think you're right. Pudding. <laughs> what is the difference between Christmas pudding and plum pudding? There is no difference. Christmas plum pudding. Yeah. I think we've nailed well, that one. There you go. There you go. We figured it out. So the note says, don't eat none of the plum pudding. One as wishes you well. So he kind of looks at it and goes, huh. That's weird. <laughs> and then I think he goes to bed. <laughs> um, so what do you think about that? Well, it seems like the plot is thickening. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I'm not sure if that's how you would speak properly in England, but mm. it seemed a little mm-hmm. grammatically off. Yeah. And when I guess the plump it's Christmas Eve right now? Yes, it's Christmas Eve. So it could just be that it's part of the joke at this point where they're trying to mm. mm-hmm. set up this fake murder. Mm-hmm. If I were him, I would probably skip the plum pudding. <laughs> just to be safe yeah so that's all I'm thinking okay it might just be that they don't want him to get heartburn or something <laughs> uh, yeah maybe it's a it's a what's it called um it's just a not a generic but a, yeah the, the reason for it was uh not vicious that's not the right word be out of like just concern yeah out of concern possibly that wouldn't be quite as exciting a story, though. So No. <laughs> so the next day, Christmas dinner comes around, which dinner meaning, I think, lunch. Yes. <laughs> comes around. And, you know, they have all the typical meals or dishes, Fixable. oyster yeah. soup and whatever. Yeah. And they get to finally get to the plum pudding and, you know, Poirot gets a piece and he kind of looks around at everyone else eating it and he decides to eat it and he, you know, takes a bite and starts eating. And he finds in his his piece a button. A ruby. Which, uh, no, just a oh. button. And he gets, he's a little confused, I think, but everyone around Alsace are all the, the teens especially are excited. It's called the bachelor's button. And whoever finds it in their piece will remain a bachelor, which Poirot is like, oh, I've been a bachelor all my life, so... <laughs> and then i think diana finds a ring and a ring means you'll be the first to be married and then colonel lacy cries out that he's bit into some glass and he kind of gets he's like to mrs lacy like what's going on here and it ends up being just this big red stone that's ruby colored yeah the ruby (laughs) that's what i thought perot got and yeah, so it was. It's the it's the colonel, and I think it gets passed around, and Poirot makes it look like he's absentmindedly slips it in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he thinks it's important, and so after all, you know, I think I think there's a a thimble, which means you're going to be an old maid, and a, a shilling or a ten sixpence or something. That means you're going to get super rich and maybe another ring did you ever have that kind of a tradition or do anything like that angie 
Yeah, when we had birthday cakes, we my mom would wrap coins in wax paper and put them in the cake. Right. Yes. I but, remember doing that. Yeah, I'm sure your mom would have done it. Um, but I don't think don't know if it was connected to some sort of English tradition that got adapted. I don't know. I don't know either. Something to look up later, maybe. So after after the dinner or lunch or whatever, Poirot goes to thank the cook and he kind of like pumps her up. He just goes on and on about how amazing English cooking is. And yes, he's from, you know, he's, you know, from the continent, but everyone from the continent agrees that like English Christmas pudding is fantastic or whatever, which I think is a joke. I think that's not how people feel. Yeah, there's someone's thinking, hmm, have you been to France? <laughs> yeah so so he he kind of you know twists the truth a little bit but his his goal is kind of to get some information out of her about the christmas pudding and so she tells him that the way they the, the way the tradition goes is that you're supposed to you're supposed to make the christmas pudding like several days in advance and so she says actually we made it three days ago like the same day you arrived so it's not quite as early as we would have wanted but you call everyone in the house down to stir stir the pudding and as they stir make a wish. <gasps> and that's like the the tradition. So everyone's hands were in the pot, that's gonna make it tricky. Mm-hmm. To sort out if anything's wrong with the pudding. So she then she also tells him, just to add more complication, they made four Christmas puddings. <laughs> so the one they made one for Christmas Day, one for New Year's Eve, and then two small ones that the uh, Mrs. Lacey and Colonel Lacey would eat like after once the, mm-hmm. everyone else had left. That's kind of just like leftovers. Mm-hmm. And so, and it turns out one of the maids had dropped the dish of the Christmas pudding that was supposed to be served on Christmas Day. So they were actually eating the one that was supposed to be from New Year's Eve today. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So, a lot going on there. A lot to unpack. And the reason they're different is the shape of the dish was different. It was a fancier shape for the Christmas Day one. This one was less fancy. Yeah. So, and then he also kind of steers the conversation to Desmond, because I think he kind of wants to get her opinion. And she, she's not thrilled. Like, she, she clearly doesn't like Desmond that much. She doesn't think that he's, you know, right for Sarah. And, but she also feels bad for his sister because she, you know, she'd had this surgery. And the first day that they had arrived, she had been like, kind of up and about a little bit but then she had been uh taken ill and hasn't kind of left her room since then she's been a lot more sick sorry i didn't catch who that was that sick this is desmond's sister the one that had the operation oh, right, so right. she's not sick she's just you know feeling yeah like not 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 able to get about so that they you know the day goes on they have dinner they they light the christmas tree that's also a big tradition um, it was more of a good tradition, I think, to decorate the Christmas tree either on Christmas Eve or the day of, instead of weeks in advance, as okay. we are doing. So that goes on, and then Poirot goes up to bed. First, he makes a couple preparations, and then he goes to bed, but not to sleep. He's very clear about that. Uh-huh. And so while he's lying in bed, he's thinking back on that cup of coffee that Desmond had handed him earlier in the evening and that he hadn't drank. He had purposely set it down and picked up a different coffee cup to drink from. Okay. 
and this the reason and so he's kind of smiling to himself because a few hours after he's gone to bed someone comes into his room and starts rifling through all of his belongings so they he thinks that it was spiked something to put him to sleep so he wouldn't wake up when someone came in that's that's what he's thinking and so, so he, he lets them he rifle through being everything yes uh-huh. yeah and he lets them rifle through everything i think he lets them rifle through his person as well he pretends to be asleep he kind of keeps up the shrade uh-huh. and so the next morning colin and michael come and wake up perot like super early in the morning and they say like something terrible has happened to bridget and they call him down to to see what's happened and they kind of show him how you know there's footprint there's two sets of footprints leading to the body but only one set coming away from it or sorry two sets of footprints going to to the body bridget's body but only one set leaving and you know they say how they know you're not supposed to disturb the disturb the crime scenes they hadn't let anyone come near they'd gone to get poor right away and para maybe disappoints them a little bit by going oh well we have to check if if she's dead first like that's the first thing we have to do right they're you know a little like oh really okay well that's not gonna make our plan go well yeah except that if she really is dead so he walks up to the body and kind of kneels down and feels her pulse whatever and then stands up and says oh well we must call the police and then colin and michael at this point cannot help themselves from laughing and they kind of say that we're sorry like this was just a joke like we don't need to call the police like bridget get up but bridget doesn't get up no of course not and and Poirot kind of shows them how he says you might have thought like you might have made this to be a practical joke but something something must have happened on top of this and so he asks I think I think they don't believe him and so he asks at this point Desmond and Sarah have come out and maybe even Diana there's like like a few people come out of the house because they've seen the commotion out of their window and he has Desmond to come up and Desmond feels for the pulse and goes, no, there's nothing like she, there's no pulse. And he stands up and goes, why would anyone want to kill Bridget? And, or, or who could have done this? And Poirot points out, well, the boot prints that walk to the body, the ones we saw to begin with are the same as your boots, Desmond. And he kind of points back to Desmond's tracks that he's made. And then Desmond's kind of like you're accusing me again like why would I like what's going on and Poirot shows he kind of like pries open her fingers and shows the the red stone from the day before sitting in her palm and so Desmond quickly grabs it and goes oh I, I should keep this like safekeeping this is evidence I'll go call the police and he just books it into the house okay um and then shortly after they see Desmond in his car driving away Presumably to get the police. Desmond ran in to call the police or Perot? Desmond. Oh, and Desmond grabs the, grabs the, the ruby stone. Red. Yeah. And then he goes to call the police. And then I think I think it's Diana who comes out and says she had seen Desmond. He had tried the phone, said, oh, if the phone's not working. The line must be caught, cut. Someone must have cut the phone line. And then he goes and gets his car to go get the police from the, from the police station. Okay. And is Bridget one of the teenagers again? Sorry? Is Bridget one of the teenagers? Yeah, she's she's the young the young girl, the young um second cousin or whatever she was. Um, great niece or something. Great niece, yeah. yeah okay, yeah, that's right. So Pora says we should all go inside, it's cold out, uh, and you know, we can talk about this. 
And so at this point, would you like to take a guess about just what is going on? What is happening? Well, uh, whoever thought they drugged Perot, which he said Desmond was the one who gave him the coffee, but mm-hmm. might have been the one ruffling around and took, because he had the ruby in his pocket and took it and then for some reason, I don't know, gave it to Bridget. Is Bridget, like how old is Bridget? Maybe, maybe four, somewhere between 14 to 16. Okay, so too young to have been involved with that prince guy. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, um, I don't know. It's setting it it's up. It's setting it up to be Desmond, but I'm not sure his connection with Bridget. So I think his involvement might have to do with the ruby because he grabbed it so fast and not to do with the death. Okay. Um, uh, maybe it's possible that Perot's playing back a practical joke on them because Desmond might have had a reason to uh, collaborate and say she's dead, but maybe Perot was just trying to scare the kids from playing such a dumb prank. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. That's all I got. Yeah, this one's tough. I think they're all bad, don't you? <laughs> yes, I agree. Yes. <laughs> I guess Christy doesn't make it easy for us, does she? I know. Someone's trying to get rid of Desmond from being involved with um, Sarah, so they're setting him up to look bad so that he can't be Oh, yeah, to show Sarah, look at... To look make at sure that she dating. doesn't stay involved with him. Okay. I don't think yeah. they intended for someone to die, but something went wrong in that plan. So then do you think that's Mrs. Lacey and the Colonel? That are yeah. responsible? Yeah. Okay. And do you think they're connected with the ruby? Or do you think that's a, there's two plots going on? Two plots. So they saw Hero take the ruby and thought, wouldn't it look good if Desmond got caught stealing it? Ah. So then they, they somehow... They didn't think it was a ruby, though, at the time. They oh, all right. thought it was so, just a red stone. Well, that's right. That's true. But maybe there was something to think that if he got caught stealing. Right. I don't know. But that's it's one theory anyway. Yep, for sure. Would you would you like to hear what Poirot has to say? Of course, he's the expert. <laughs> so so Poirot kind of brings them all inside and starts to explain he starts to tell them the story of the prince. So he tells them kind of why he had been invited down like why he was actually there for Christmas and about the prince and about the ruby. And so it's at this point that kind of Colin and Michael, I think, cry out. So it was a real ruby that was in Bridget's hands and and, and Perot's going like, yeah, it was the real deal. Or or I think they were saying it was worth like thousands and thousands of pounds. And he's like, yeah, it's worth a lot of money. So this is, this, this is where it would have been good for us to know what Mr. Jesmond had told Poirot because it seems like he, they had known that there was a clever young gentleman who was going to bring his quote-unquote sister down, down to King's Lacey for Christmas. And his sister was who they thought was the girl who had run away with the ruby. Okay. So they're, they're kind of sending Poro to keep an eye on Desmond and that girl. Right. And so he's showing them how... Uh, the day he had arrived was the day they were making the Christmas pudding. So everyone had had a chance to like stir the pudding. Uh-huh. And it was that day that uh, the sister had been, you know, the first day she had arrived, she had been kind of up and about. But 
after that she had she had gone back and had to lay in bed and it was because as as they were stirring the pudding they had got like heard that poirot had arrived and recognizing hercule poirot's name she had dropped the ruby into the christmas pudding the one for new year's eve hoping that she would be able to retrieve it after poirot had left okay and then the puddings got Yes, and then the puddings got swapped. And so Poirot says how when when the ruby, when Colonel Lacey had discovered the ruby in his pudding, he saw uh, Desmond's kind of face drop and kind of the look of like fright at seeing that. And also that he had seen him, he'd seen Poirot put it in his pocket. And so that was him who was rifling around in his in his right. clothes and possessions that night, which makes and sense. from the Poirot already had a reason to suspect him, so that's why he didn't drink the coffee. Exactly. He was already, he already had an idea because he had been forewarned. Uh-huh. So then, then they kind of ask, well, then what happened after that? You gave the ruby to Bridget? Like, that's, why would you do that? And so Pro says, I think you should come into the library. And so they go out to the library and look out the window and Bridget's body isn't there anymore. Though they had left it outside. She was not dead. And Bridget comes in through the door. Of course. <laughs> He played that trick, and Desmond didn't know what he was doing or wanted to play along so he could run for the police. Right, right. So he had he says he had known that like these kids were making up this this practical joke on him, and so he had flipped it as you kind of said and pulled the practical joke on them. Yeah, right. So he had gotten Bridget's help, and I think they had put a tourniquet on her arm so that she wouldn't have a pulse. Okay, and to help keep her her still. And and so it was all to kind of play this trick on Desmond. And of course, it was not a real ruby in her hand. Poirot, again, because he was forewarned about what was going to happen, had brought a fake a duplicate kind of thing. Right. And and so then they asked, well, what's Desmond going to do? And Poirot turns to Sarah and goes, I think he has a plane. Am I right? And and Sarah says, yes, we were going to elope. They were actually planning to get married wow. in Paris, I think. They were going to leave the country. And Paro's point showing how it's the perfect excuse to leave the country, someone that's eloping, like if it's a high-profile yeah. person. And so he would have had the jewel, and it would have been the easiest for him to smuggle it out of the country under this these false pretenses. Yeah. So they're saying, no, he's not going to get the police. And this is when the quote-unquote sister has come down the stairs and let me let me try and find the line she says because it's quite funny the sister says sister my foot that swine's no brother of mine so he's beaten it has he and left me to carry the can the whole thing was his idea he put me up to it said it was money for jam they'd never prosecute because of the scandal i could always threaten to say that ali had given me his historic jewel ah so she came clean Des and I were to have shared the swag in Paris, and now the swine runs out on me. I'd like to murder him, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't anyone say she doesn't have to speak? What is the term? You have the right to remain silent? <laughs> yeah. Nope. No, there's what? no police there. No one tells her. <laughs> oh, and dear. so you're, you're right in that, uh, yeah, Poirot, of course, has taken account of this. And so she asks for someone to call her a taxi and... Poirot says, you'll find there's a car waiting outside for you to bring you to the police station. Yeah. And that was nice of him. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> he knew exactly where she wanted to go, right? 
Had the car waiting. Nice. <laughs> so that wraps up most things, except Sarah's now kind of feeling oh. all bad that she had liked this guy. Now what's she going to do? And Paro kind of comforts her and says, you've gained experience. That's that's the best thing you can get. Yeah. But of course, the kids want to know, or the teenagers want to know, how'd you discover our plan? Like, how'd you figure that out? Oh. What gave us away? Do you want to take a guess on that? Charlotte, give me a second. Um, they sent that note. Mm. Beware of plum pudding. And there was something about the note that made him think, hmm. It threw him off. But then again, if Desmond didn't want him to find the ruby, he would have sent the note. Mm. And he doesn't go to a private school, probably, so his grammar might not be up to snuff. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, I'm sure there was a clue I missed somewhere. Something to do with the footprints. To the, No, he knew beforehand, right? Don't know. So it's it's actually it's the simplest solution. Uh, they had been talking really loudly beside the window that Poirot was sitting at, and he oh, overheard right. it all. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> he doesn't want to tell them because he knows he knows they won't be as impressed. But finally, they convince him. Uh, they're not impressed. They're like, what? what? <laughs> Very funny. But you're you're right about like what was the, what was up with the note and Paro figures that out too. I don't know if he knew, but he guessed, and it, it ties back to it's it's not proper grammar. It was the maid Annie, the one who had dropped the Christmas pudding. She had oh. overheard Desmond and his sister talking about how how Poro had come and something about the pudding, the Christmas pudding, and so she was worried that they were going to do something to him. So she had tried to warn him, but didn't want to have oh. to like she. She didn't think it was right to do it in person or something along those lines. Right. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh, they were, it was, she overheard them talking about where did you put it? And then the other one said in the pudding. And so she thought it was, pudding. but it was just, where did you put the ruby in the pudding? Right. Yep. So I think that's all the loose ends. Do you have any other questions about it, about the story? Um, how did the plum pudding taste? Did they comment on that? <laughs> I'll come back to my well, original question. Is there rum sauce? <laughs> yes, there is. They call it hard sauce. Hard sauce, right. They, and they passed it around. And oh. the other thing, so this was in my, my Halloween episode, Halloween party. They they have this thing called the, the snapdragon, which is a bunch of raisins uh, soaked in rum that you light on fire. And then you have to like grab at the burning raisins. Oh. So this is... I think similar where the Christmas pudding is lit on fire right? before you bring it out and then served and you have to make a wish before the fire goes out. Right. Of course, obviously. You always should make a wish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah so it's, it is an interesting dessert. Yeah. I was actually reading up on the traditions of it and the stirring thing and, mm -hmm. and the coins and, there's 13 ingredients, one for each of the disciples or something. Oh, interesting. So that's why it's Christmas pudding. Yeah. Huh. Where are you now? Well, that's fun. Yes. I like the so shorter ones because my attention span isn't very long. <laughs> they are They are good. I feel like there's a mix of people. Some people prefer them longer. Some people prefer them shorter. Mm. There's a range. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Thank you to everyone at home for listening. 
If you liked the the episode, you can listen to more if you search for Tuesday Night Mystery Club anywhere you listen to podcasts. And I said I would read some reviews if people made reviews. So these are from, I have two from iTunes. I'm a little behind on because I don't, I don't know what podcast apps have reviews. But The Doctor Awesome says, love it, very fun podcasts that I've added it into my rotation for long drives. And Lalento says, my favorite podcast. I love this podcast. It's such a fun listen and makes doing the dishes and other chores so much more fun. So thank you to both of, of you. That was those very nice comments. If if you would like me to read your review or your comment uh, or your rating, whatever it's called, you can leave it anywhere and I will hopefully find it and read it. If you would like to get podcast updates, you can follow me on Instagram at Tuesday Night Mystery Club. And if you would like to support this show more and get bonus content, you can subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash Tuesday Night Mystery Club. And thank you to my current patrons, Barb McLean, Michael Borello, Debbie Kravis, Emily Shilton, and Emma Z. Um, that's all. Angie, any final thoughts? No, thanks. That was fun. Great. Hopefully I'll see you virtually at Christmas. <laughs> we will definitely. <laughs> All right. Thanks, All right, Kayla. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.